Are you ready for the word of the Lord tonight? Did you come with faith in your heart tonight? If you're ready for the word of the Lord, put your hands together one more time and give God a great praise as Brother Hicks comes to deliver the word of the Lord to us tonight. That's all right. Go ahead and praise him a little bit. Hallelujah. Has God been good to you in 2020? Praise God. I told Pastor Williams, I thought I was almost off the hook this morning. And then I thought I was almost off the hook tonight. But praise God. It's good to be in the house of the Lord with the people of God. Amen. Hallelujah. Praise God. Amen. Love and appreciate Pastor and Sister Williams so much. And Isaac and Judah. And uh, all the friends that we've made here over the years of coming down here. And I uh, just want to take a moment before we go to the word of the Lord. To say how much we appreciate the people in this church. Amen. And, and just observing the way that you love and appreciate your pastor and his family, it is admirable. Amen. And you ought to give yourselves a hand clap. Because you are great people. Amen. I talked about it this morning, but there's great anointing on the people in this church to do great things in the kingdom of God. Amen. And uh, I, I just feel like the Rock Church is just getting started. Amen. <laughs> Praise God. Amen. So blessed and honored to be here. We're going to turn in the word of the Lord to 2 Samuel chapter 23. We're going to begin reading at verse 20. So many, so many confirmations in the Holy Ghost past few hours, and I feel like the Lord is going to help us tonight, amen, to pull down some strongholds, amen, to destroy some bondage in our lives, amen, to destroy some, some barriers in our thinking, to become all that God has called us to be, amen. 2 Samuel chapter 23, beginning at verse 20. And Benaiah, the son of Jehoiada, the son of a valiant man of Tabzeel, who had done many acts. He slew two lion-like men of Moab. He went down also and slew a lion in the midst of a pit in a time of snow. Everybody say, a man's man. Verse 21, and he slew an Egyptian, a goodly man. 
And the Egyptian had a spear in his hand, and he went down to him with a staff and plucked the spear out of the Egyptian's hand and slew him with his own spear. These things did Benaiah the son of Jehoiada and had the name among three mighty men. Amen. Praise God. I want to preach to us for a little while about conquering the stronghold of fear. Amen. Anybody ready to engage the stronghold of fear in your life? Hallelujah. Hallelujah. Let's pray. Ask the Lord to help us in the next few minutes. God, I pray that you would touch the minds of your people tonight. God, increase our faith. Help us to see ourselves as you see us. Help us to see ourselves in dominion and power and becoming all that you've called us to be. Oh, God, tearing down strongholds and dominions. In the name of Jesus, in the name of Jesus. Praise God. You may be seated for just a few moments. I kind of feel goofy asking the question, but it does beg the question, how many have ever been afraid? Um, kind of trying to pick up where we left off maybe this morning and move us a little bit further down the road. Uh, fear is a natural part of being a human being, amen? And uh, I actually, one of the nudges from the Holy Ghost today, Pastor Williams, was I picked up that book off your desk this afternoon, and when I opened it, it turned to a page and it said, lower brain, fight, flight, or freeze. <laughs> All right, God. <laughs> Thank you. Uh, there are situations that will cause a response in human beings that we call the flight or fight instinct. And in general, most people lean towards one or the other. Amen. If you walk up and startle the wrong person, they're likely to take a swing at you. And yet, I'm sure we've all seen them online. There's probably hundreds of thousands of funny videos of people being startled and scared People videotaping them and their responses are just hilarious at times. Uh, there's a few young ladies here tonight that might be able to tell you a story about a frog. <laughs> and sometimes fear has no basis in reality. Praise God. Now, I'm not trying to put anybody on the spot, but the reality is that little frog the other night <laughs> did not have the power to do you any harm. He couldn't bite. He couldn't slam you down on the pool deck. He didn't have enough body weight to crush you like an elephant. Yet the response was absolutely hilarious. And 
and, and we're laughing at that situation right now, but the reality is every one of us at some point in our life have been driven by a fear that has no basis in reality. Amen. And our enemy is a mastermind at just talking in our ear and, and just giving us and he's got a whole team of people we call journalists today that help drive the fear. See, there, there's, a, there's a problem when you're spending more time on Facebook than in the Bible. Because it is an engine of fear. It is driving the agenda of hell to put people in terror. Of everything. And, and so we can, we can settle down into these strongholds, paradigms. I don't know what the right word is, but we can begin to just live our life for months and years on end and not even realize that decisions we're making are based on fears that developed in our life years ago. And it just drives us and drives us and drives us. So we read this story about this man named Benaiah. Now, if, if we had done some Bible trivia before church tonight, I don't know how many people could have told me who Benaiah was. And yet, and he doesn't appear very many places in the scripture. And yet when you begin to read the little bit of his life that the Bible gives us a snapshot of, we see that this guy was the real deal. Benaiah had the goods. Uh, he had a stick. And the other guy had a spear. And he went down, and the Bible says that he took the guy's spear away from him and killed him with it. To be honest, I think I might be negotiating at that point. But he was of that mindset, I'm not surrendering anything to the enemy. I am not giving the enemy one inch of territory. I'm not giving him one person in my family. I'm not giving him one foot of real estate in my life to take any dominion of. I am going to... If he kills me, he kills me. And there's something special about people, and I'm sure Pastor Williams could testify to this, but there is something special about working with people who have made up their, in their mind that if I die here, then I will die here, but I am not going anywhere. I am not surrendering one inch. I am not backing down to the pressure of hell. I am not giving in to the enemy on any level. I am going forward. I am going to advance the kingdom of God if it, if it is over my dead body. And uh, I, I have quite a bit of personal experience of battling with fear. I uh, kind of trying to be careful right now but uh, early in my life, there was a person of great influence who still to this day is driven by fear. 
almost every decision that that person makes is out of fear. And you try to, to speak with this person and, and, and rationalize their decision process, and there is no connection. It, it's literally like talking at the top of this pulpit. Words of reason do not penetrate the veil of fear that is over their eyes. They cannot. And so there were some what I would probably call inherited fears in my life that I had to come to face with, confront them, uh, deal with them. Many times in places of prayer, beginning just to pray and say, God, I, I know there is a vision that has been cast in my life, and I know that this is not the will of God, and I have to overcome this thing. And I, and I literally have at times just sat there and talked to myself and told myself, that doesn't make any sense. That is a bunch of nonsense. That is not what the Word of God says. This is what the Word of God says. Amen. You might think it sounds crazy, but sometimes you just got to get in the mirror in the bathroom and start talking to yourself and telling yourself, this is the will of God for your life. This is what you're going to do. You are not going to respond in fear. You're going to respond in faith. You're going to respond in obedience. You know, some people struggle to do what the pastor tells them to do because they are driven by fear. It's not that they want to be disobedient. But that, that fear has such a stronghold in their life that it just drives them. But I believe the Bible is going to give us some keys tonight on how to start tearing down some strongholds of fear and intimidation and empower some people to move to the next level of what God wants them to do. Some fears are instinct. Now the lion in the pit on the snowy day. Instinct will tell you, go the other way. But when you have arrived at a place where you have conquered the fear in your life, you say, you know what, I can take this guy. I can do this. And everybody around you looking at you like you're crazy. God puts a vision in your heart. Gives you something to do in the kingdom of God and you start to step out and do it. And then everybody around you is like, yeah, 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 yeah. Have you lost your mind? No but I have overcome the stronghold of fear. Fear is fed by voices. You need to be careful what voices are speaking into your life. There, I, again, I, I'm, I'm trying to step real careful here, but I have cut off some voices over the years. I smile, I say hello, how you doing, love you, and keep walking. 
My, my, my mind is not your trash can. My spirit is not the place where you dispose of your junk. And so I don't want to live caged in this stronghold of fear. And so I'm going to allow voices into my life that will, that will help me destroy the fear. One of the things that I so appreciate about uh, Bishop Elder is when you get in his presence and you spend just a little bit of time with him, it doesn't have to be a counseling session. You could be hanging sheetrock. And you go away from that encounter feeling like you can do anything. Amen. Find somebody in your life like that. Latch onto them. Make yourself a nuisance. Right? Because you want that. You want that continual voice of encouragement, of faith. I can do this. You want somebody telling you, you can do this. You can do this. And, and it, again, it doesn't even have to be that specific thing that you're trying to get accomplished. But you just, you get in their presence and you, f you feel the anointing that is in their life ebbing and flowing. And all of a sudden you feel like, man, if they can do it, I can do it. Fear is fed by being alone. I could preach a long time tonight about the foolishness of social distancing. Human beings were not made to live in isolation. And isolation breeds distortion. And you better not give in to those voices of fear. You may better not give in to those voices of nonsense that tell you, oh, you better stay home from church because it's dangerous. It's dangerous to go to church. But you go to Lowe's and it's packed. And you go to Walmart and there's a million people in there. But church is too dangerous. You can't stay alone and maintain your courage. Sometimes the enemy will make you feel like you're alone. You could be sitting right here in church with people all around you. The people of God, the ministry, everybody's here. They're rooting for you, and yet you feel like you are so alone that you are the only person in the universe. It's a lie. It's not the truth. It's completely irrational. It has nothing to do with reality. It has nothing to do with what is really going on in the kingdom of God. You are just, you are allowing yourself to be driven by emotion. And that fear sets in. Oh man, that guy got seven feet away from me. And I, I kind of gave up on trying to read all the news reports this year because it doesn't have a lot of information in it. Well, I'll be careful here. 
A lot of that data is not even real data. It's just read an article the other day where flu hospitalizations are down 97% this year. What, the flu just disappeared? There's no flu this year? I don't believe that. Heart, deaths from heart disease are down. Deaths from strokes are down. Like nobody died of a heart attack this year. It's an engine of fear that is driving, 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 driving people to do things that make absolutely no sense. And so you have Benaiah standing on the mouth of this pit. And it's snowy and icy. And the lion is in the pit. He has every reason to walk away. He doesn't have to go down in the pit. It's not very likely that the lion can even get out of the pit at this point. We don't know all of the circumstances. Maybe he dug the pit to catch the lion. I don't know. But he was unwilling to leave it there for another day. I'm going to finish this business right now. And so you, I can't even fathom, really, to be honest. I know Pastor Williams has killed a couple bears and an alligator. I have killed, to date, one raccoon and one possum. And the raccoon I shot at the other night... <laughs> Still somewhere in the woods. But there's something else about going and tackling something that you know can do some damage. And I, I read stories and, and see some footage of guys hunting in Africa. And that's a whole nother level of engaging an enemy that can destroy you. But the Bible says that Satan goes about as a roaring lion, seeking whom he may devour. Now, kids get sick of this at school, may and can, but there's a big difference. Can I go to the bathroom? Well, I hope so. I don't know. Can you? Most of us can. You're not really asking me, can you? You're asking me, may I use the restroom? Because you, I'm not granting you the ability to do it. I'm giving you the permission to do the thing. Right? So it's not about... It's not about whether you can or not. It's not about whether the devil can or not. It's about does he have permission. 
and he does not have permission to destroy your life. He does not have permission to destroy your family. He does not have permission to destroy your finances. He does not have permission to take your health. If you hear in three months that Brother Hicks died of COVID, it's a lie. I'm not saying I can't get the virus, but if Brother Hicks is dead in three months, it's because Jesus Christ decided that it was time for me to die. And when you get that revelation, it removes all fear. I am not afraid. If I am doing what God has called me to do, if I am doing what he has purposed for my life, then I have no reason to be afraid. I can walk in courage, and I can say, you know what? Yeah, it's a little unsettling. Things are a little weird right now, but I know what God has called me to do, and I'm just going to keep on doing what God has called me to do. Think about this. Decisions that are made out of fear are almost always regretted. I'm going gonna, gonna to hold on to this because I'm afraid if I let this go, I'll never have anything else. And I don't know, I don't know a lot of the mindset or the issues that you deal with in Fort Myers, uh, but that's kind of the mentality at home. Just hold on to what you got because you might not get any more. And so you see people sitting their whole life just holding on to this. Their families never grow. Their finances never grow. They never grow in their career. They just do the same thing, the same job, the same duties for 40 years and then retire. Maybe that's for some people, I don't know. But the idea of going into a factory and putting the same bolts on the same piece of equipment for 40 years terrifies me. Maybe you're not called to preach. But there's got to be something greater in life than just grinding away eight to five, 40 years with nothing to show for it. I don't believe that's the will of God for the preacher. I believe he has greatness. He has greatness for his people. There is untapped potential of creative energy and the power of the Holy Ghost that we have not yet even connected to. And I know that I'm preaching to a great church tonight that has done great things and are doing great things, and yet there is more. There is always more. 
killed that lion down in that pit. And then we don't hear hardly anything from the man. He just kind of disappears. Until it's time for David to set up his kingdom. And you have this guy that if we read the scripture correctly, started out in debt, discontent, on the outskirts, on the edges. Well, how do we know that? Because everybody who came to David in the beginning was indebted, was, they were, they were literally the scum of Israel. They had nothing going for them. And so David, the fearless leader, begins to put together a band of men who are just in chaos. And yet, after a few years of the influence of the man of God and direction and purpose and defeating the fear in his life, we find out that Benaiah becomes the captain of the guard under David. How did he get from here to here? He doesn't have the resume for it. He didn't graduate from West Point. He didn't go to officer's training. There is no, no reason within worldly systems why he would be elevated to that position. And I think I'm preaching to some people today, you think, man, I, I don't have this. I don't have the degree. I don't have the training. I don't have the heritage. I don't have the family background. I don't have, you name it. Name the excuse. And yet God is saying, I want to do great things with you. Not, not I want to do great things with the Rock Church of Fort Myers, but I want to do great things with you. And I want to do great things with you. And I want to do great things with you. And as we each begin to step into the calling and the purpose of God in our life, and we each begin to fulfill that, the greatness of the Rock Church begins to grow because we're each reaching a point of synergy with each other. We can't just think, oh, my neighbor will do it, or Pastor Williams will do it, Brother Hammond will do it. They'll get all this greatness done, and we'll just ride the train. That's not how it works. Everybody has to get in and start working towards the vision and towards the goal and conquering the fear that paralyzes us. I found that interesting on that page where it said, fight, flight, or freeze.
So I, I hope you don't mind, I went back and grabbed the book off your desk this afternoon. And I started reading that section of the book again, and it talks about how that fear, there's literally a biochemical reason why the brain shuts down. And you cannot make sound decisions while you are afraid. It becomes completely primal, instinctive survival at that point. So when we make decisions in that moment of terror, we are setting ourselves up for failure. We have to tear down the strongholds of fear. How am I going to do that? We got to pray. You have to pray. And you have to pray. And you have to pray. And you have to pray some more. And you don't just pray, our Father, which art in heaven, hallowed be thy name. You got to come in here and you have to pray until you've prayed in the Holy Ghost. Until you have broken through the veil of your flesh. Until you have brought yourself into submission to the Holy Ghost. Because I can tell you this from my own experience. Once you have pressed through and begin to pray in the Holy Ghost, the fear just evaporates. Like, what was I even thinking 20 minutes ago? Because when the fear has evaporated, now I can see again and I can understand what God wants me to do and I can, I can pursue the vision that God has placed in my life. Eventually, Benaiah is the one who coronates Solomon as king. Because he was willing to conquer his fears, he came into such a place of confidence with King David that it was when it was time to put Solomon on the throne, David said, go get Benaiah. And then under Solomon, he even rose a little higher and became the captain of the host. Might not have happened if he hadn't jumped in that pit and grabbed a hold of that lion when people were scratching their heads and saying, what is wrong with this guy? Last summer, I was on the phone with a friend He lives up in a place called Pine, Colorado, which is west of Denver. It's up in the mountains. And he said he was in a diner for breakfast one morning. And he saw an older gentleman sitting there eating his breakfast, and he was tore up. Claw marks down his face. Arms were just shredded. So he began to ask the gentleman, you know, what, what happened? Are you okay? Out of concern. Come to find out, <clears throat> gentleman's name is John. He's 71 years old. 
And one night he was sitting in his home. They were in the basement watching TV, him and his wife. They're not apostolic, but you know, just throw that in there. <clears throat> and they heard a commotion in the kitchen upstairs. And so he gets up and goes upstairs to see what's going on. And he encounters a sow bear and her cubs in the kitchen eating the food off of the counter. And if you know anything about bears, that's not a real great situation. Just having the bear in the house is a problem, but the fact that it was a mama bear and she had both of her cubs with her, I imagine the kitchen was a little crowded. And so when the bear sees him, he kind of backs into the hallway a little bit and she comes after him and starts swiping at him and the, the newspaper article that I read later said that it was like a boxing match in the hallway where the bear was swiping at him and he was punching at the bear and it got a little sticky there for a minute and his wife hearing the further commotion not really knowing what's going on yet she grabs a baseball bat A Louisville Slugger, they even had a picture of it in the article. And she comes up the stairs behind the bear and she sees the bear attacking her husband. And she said in the article, about then I blacked out. She said, I don't remember anything else after that. But the article went on to say, and her husband testified that she started hitting that bear with the baseball bat. Grandma lost her mind and went after that bear with the baseball bat and just started pummeling the bear. And finally, the bear gave up and ran out the back door of the house. And they realized after the fact that she had been, bears are tough. So when I tell you this, you're going to know that this grandma was laying it on him. She had actually knocked the bear's head through the drywall in the hallway and left a hole the size of a bear's head in the wall. Don't make grandma mad. And she said later in the article, this is what stood out to me, she said, I always wondered how I would respond if I was faced with a dangerous situation. Are you going to respond in fear and cower down and hide? Or are you going to fight for the things that matter and the things that are important and the things that are valuable in your life? Are you going to get up and say, this this is the line, we're not crossing it, you don't, you don't come any further. I refuse to give in to the fear. And maybe it's just me, but I, I can feel it. Pushing back, pushing back. Oh, what? He's saying all that stuff, and it's on, it's being broadcast, and 
people are going to think we're crazy because we're not running around in terror. Musicians could come. Second Timothy two and seven is key. Apostle Paul writing to Timothy says, God hath not given us a spirit of fear, but of power and of love. And of a sound mind. If you want to know the key to overcoming fear, maintaining stability, moving forward, staying on track with the purpose of God in your life, you have to tap into the spirit of God. You have to not allow the spirit of fear to attach itself to your life. And you have to say, I am empowered by the Holy Ghost. He has empowered me to love people. He has empowered me to have clear thinking and a sound mind. And I, re I refuse to bow to the spirits that are speaking in this day. It will not take hold of my life. I started to look through the scriptures how many times the Lord commanded people, fear not. Well, yeah, but this. Fear not. Well, yeah, but this thing's going on over here. But the command of the Lord to Abraham was, fear not. The command to Abraham was, again, in Genesis 21, fear not. In Psalms, David said, the Lord is with me. I will not fear what man can do to me. Fear not. Genesis 26, fear not, for I am with thee. I will bless thee. I will multiply thee. Oh, but it's an economic downturn, and there's this going on, and there's that going on, and there's just this crazy election stuff, and I don't even know how the church is going to make it through the next three months. The church made it through Rome, it made it through the Colosseum, it made it through the persecutions, it made it. It made it through the Dark Ages, it made it through the Inquisition, it made it through the oppression of the. Do I need to go on? I mean, how. Do we really think this is worse than the Inquisition? And yet the church of God moved on and it, it fulfilled its purpose and it continued to move forward until we are here where we are today in this moment of time. And I really believe that we are approaching the end. I believe that we are the generation who will see the second coming of the Lord. So whatever else is going on around me, I don't have to be afraid. There is no fear. The Bible says that perfect love casts out all fear. Well, I, I don't see it, Brother Hicks. I just, I can't. 
wrap my mind around it. Think about those scriptures that I've quoted for you tonight. We're going to have an altar call here in a minute. But I think there's, there's some people who need to go write those scriptures down. I know you think this is not really spiritual right now. But what I'm telling you right now could change your life. You need to go get three by five index cards and you need to write down perfect love, cast out all fear. Put it on your bathroom mirror. And when you go to get ready in the morning, you need to read that to yourself. Perfect love, cast out all fear. God hath not given us a spirit of fear. Write it on there. Put that one up there next week. Why? Because we are living in an age that if we let it, it will drive us into the corner. It will drive us to hiding under our bed, as Bishop says at home, with a pile of toilet paper under the bed with us. But God has called us such a time as this. Your, your prayer meetings are going to make a big difference. I'm not going to negate the effect of prayer in your life. But you're going to have to take some other action. You're going to have to talk to yourself and tell yourself, I am not responding in fear to these situations. I will fulfill the will of God in my life. I will answer the call. I will be what he has called me to be. I am going forward. I am write those scriptures down and start reading them to yourself and telling yourself, perfect love cast out all fear. Perfect love cast out all fear. And what you're going to do, I know we're coming to pray, but listen as you're coming. The more you repeat that to yourself, the more you ingrain the word of God into your mind and your spirit, you're going to start changing the way you're thinking. And you're going to begin to respond according to the word of God instead of your emotion of the moment. Can we lift our hands? Oh God, help your people tonight. In the name of Jesus, help us to conquer the fear, the intimidation, the strongholds of the enemy that have arrayed themselves against our minds and our spirits, God. Help us to pull down those strongholds.